Hear that? It's the sound of someone whacking the ground with a rake. Specifically, they're beating around the bush, which we've done enough of in this ad too, so let's get right to it. The new moneymaker scratch-off from the Ohio Lottery doesn't beat around the bush. Money maker. Play the game and you could win money, up to $2 million. With more than $88 million in prizes, ranging from $50 to $500, Moneymaker cuts right to the cash. Lottery players are subject to Ohio laws and commission regulations. Play responsibly. Today is Tuesday, November 5th, 2019. On this day in 1605, Guy Fawkes was arrested in connection to the gunpowder plot, a failed attempt to assassinate King James I. The date of his capture has since been celebrated in Britain every year as Guy Fawkes Night, when an effigy of Fawkes is burned and fireworks light the sky. Welcome to Today in True Crime, a ParCast original. Every day, we flip back the calendar to this date years ago and recount one event from true crime history. I'm Vanessa Richardson, and today we're covering the capture of Guy Fawkes. Fawkes, a diehard Catholic, sought to assassinate Protestant King James I by blowing up the upper house of parliament during its state opening. After an anonymous letter alerted the king to the plot, Fox was discovered guarding a large stock of gunpowder beneath Parliament. Due to the graphic nature of today's crimes, listener discretion is advised. Extreme caution is advised for listeners under 13. Before we unpack the ramifications of Guy Fawkes' capture and the gunpowder plot, let's go back to London in the earliest hours of the morning on November 5, 1605. Guy Fawkes sat on a stack of firewood and checked his watch impatiently. It was just barely morning. He had hours left to wait. He stood up, paced around the cellar, and then sat back down again. He should be used to this. He had spent days on end standing watch during his tenure as a soldier in Spain. But then he wasn't usually all alone. There was a sudden sound outside the door of the storeroom, but Fox didn't flinch. Despite the dark and the overpowering chill of the cellar, he wasn't one to let his imagination run away from him. As always, he had his mind on only one thing, the liberation of his Catholic countrymen. After all, that was what this was all about. He had no desire to overthrow the entire monarchy or take over the nation. All he wanted, along with a dozen other co-conspirators, was to install a Catholic queen on the English throne. Then the country could head in the right direction, toward salvation, rather than toward heresy and intolerance. The thoughts made him giddy. A Catholic-led England was almost within his grasp. He ran his fingers through his thick mustache and took a breath. The hard part was over now. The gunpowder, barrels and barrels of it, had already been smuggled into the cellar under the House of Lords. All he had to do now was wait and strike a match. Then the entire building would explode. 
it would be bloody, and certainly some good Catholics would be killed as well, but it was all in the service of a greater cause. The Lord would sort them out. Fox fingered the fuses in his pocket and then checked his watch again. He wished Thomas Percy hadn't given it to him. All it did was make time move slower. He stood up yet again and began pacing. But he was stopped in his tracks by the sound of the door. He heard several pairs of heavy, booted footsteps approaching. He could hide, but then the powder might be discovered. Better to stick to his cover. He was a serving man, merely tending to his master's stockpile of firewood. Fox composed himself just in time for several courtiers to come into view. He tried to intercept them by babbling about the sudden interruption, but they paid him no mind. They wore the arrogant expressions of the king's men. They could do whatever they liked. Several of them began brusquely searching the cellar, while their leader, Thomas Nivet, interrogated Fox. Fox gave a fake name and tried to misdirect the investigators, but they found the barrels of gunpowder hidden under the firewood and bags of coal. After that, Fox abruptly dropped his act. As the courtiers dragged him back to the king's private chamber, Nivet demanded to know what he was doing with so much gunpowder. Fox told them he intended to blow them all back to Scotland, where King James hailed from. The men handled Fox roughly after that and confined him to the chamber while they prepared to question him. Fox sat in the center of the room, red-faced. He had failed. Fox turned it all over in his mind. What had given them away? Had someone gotten cold feet and turned on them? Maybe he should have ignited the powder as soon as he heard the steps. It wouldn't have killed the king, but at least it would have gotten rid of those disgusting, sycophantic courtiers. The thought that they were free to roam the halls of the palace wearing their self-satisfied grins sickened Fox. He should have blown them all sky high. And as soon as they came back in, he would tell them so. Heretics. At least after he was executed, he could approach the pearly gates with confidence. Whether he set the Hall of Lords aflame or not, these heathens were bound to meet fire sooner or later. Finally, the courtiers re-entered the privy chamber. This time they were armed with a list of questions, direct from the king himself. Fox thought it was a shame the king hadn't come along to take a look. He would have ensured it was the last thing his majesty ever saw. The questions began, and at first, the courtiers assumed the interrogation would be easy. Fox readily copped to planning to blow up Parliament and assassinate the king. But when asked to name his allies and the source of the powder, he clammed up. Nothing they could do would open his mouth. After several hours, the king authorized the use of torture, but even then, it would take a lot to break Guy Fox. Coming up, we examine the significance of the capture of Guy Fox and the foiling of the gunpowder plot. Now, back to the story. On November 5th, 1605, 
Guy Fox was captured in an undercroft beneath the House of Lords in London. Fox had been guarding 36 barrels of gunpowder, which he planned to ignite later that day in a bid to assassinate King James I. The gunpowder plot, as it came to be known, was Fox's final attempt to incite a rebellion against the Protestant king, but it wasn't his first. Though he was an Englishman, he had fought for Spain in the Eighty Years' War and in the Franco-Spanish War. In 1603, Fox attempted to enlist Spain's help in supporting a Catholic revolt in England. King Philip III politely refused to help Fox despite his war service, and he was left adrift again. He returned to England and the following year met Robert Catesby. Catesby, like many English Catholics, felt persecuted by King James I. James had reinstituted fines for citizens who refused to attend Anglican services. He had also largely been less tolerant of Catholics than they had expected, given that James's mother, Mary, Queen of Scots, had been Catholic. As a result, Catesby felt the only way to get fair treatment for Catholics was to assassinate the king and place his daughter Elizabeth on the throne. In 1605, Elizabeth was nine years old. Catesby believed she could be brought up as a Catholic after her father's death and installed as a puppet queen, with Catesby and other elite Catholics pulling the strings. Catesby shared his plans with some other devout Catholics in February of 1605. Soon afterward, he was introduced to Guy Fawkes and brought him into the fold along with several others. The conspirators held a secret meeting where they worked out the details of their plan. Over the next several months, they leased an undercroft below the House of Lords and began smuggling gunpowder into the storeroom. They planned to ignite the powder when the next parliamentary session began on November 5th, aiming to kill the king, who would be in attendance, along with many Protestant lawmakers. On October 26th, however, an anonymous letter hinting at the plot was sent to Lord Monteagle, a Catholic member of the House of Lords. The message warned Monteagle to stay away from Parliament on November 5th for his own safety. It's likely that the letter was sent by one of the conspirators who felt guilty about catching Catholic men in the crossfire of the plot. Monteagle informed the king about the letter, who had men search the cellars beneath Parliament on the evening of November 4th into the early hours of the 5th. Fox was discovered guarding the gunpowder and was quickly arrested. Over the next few days, Fox was savagely tortured until, at last, he revealed the names of his co-conspirators. He was executed alongside them in January of 1606. Following the arrest of Fox, the king urged Englishmen to celebrate the foiling of the gunpowder plot. Since then, November 5th has been remembered every year as Guy Fox Night in Britain. Traditionally, it's celebrated by burning effigies of Fox, lighting bonfires, and setting off fireworks. But more recently, the legacy of Guy Fox has transformed to symbolize the broader concept of protest. 
After a stylized mask of Fox was featured prominently in the dystopian film V for Vendetta, it became popular online. In 2008, the hacktivist group Anonymous took up the mask as a symbol of its movement. Since then, the Guy Fox mask has been worn by demonstrators of many stripes around the world and has largely become disassociated from the original gunpowder plot. It seems that though Guy Fox failed to invoke the revolt he was hoping to, his legacy lives on and inspires the spirit of protest worldwide. Thanks for listening to Today in True Crime. I'm Vanessa Richardson. Today in True Crime is a ParCast original. You can find more episodes of Today in True Crime and all other ParCast originals for free on Spotify. Not only does Spotify already have all of your favorite music, but now Spotify is making it easy for you to enjoy all of your favorite ParCast originals, like Today in True Crime, for free from your phone, desktop, or smart speaker. To stream Today in True Crime on Spotify, just open the app and type Today in True Crime in the search bar. At ParCast, we're grateful for you, our listeners. You allow us to do what we love. Let us know how we're doing. Reach out on Facebook and Instagram at ParCast and Twitter at ParCast Network. We'll be back with a brand new episode tomorrow in True Crime. Today in True Crime was created by Max Cutler, is a production of Cutler Media, and is part of the ParCast Network. It is produced by Max and Ron Cutler, sound designed by Russell Nash, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Joel Stein, Maggie Admire, and Travis Clark. This episode of Today in True Crime was written by Terrell Wells. I'm Vanessa Richardson. Vanessa Richardson.